0: We laugh, we cry, we learn, but really, what doesn't kill you makes you better at managing clients and everyone. I'm Morgan Friedman, and this is Client Horror Stories. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Client R Stories. And Liz, I like your uh, waving when I say hey, "Hey, everyone!" You are everyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, not
1: today. I hope there's someone listening. Hello out there.
0: <laughs> this this isn't live, but hopefully, at, at at least one person when it does go live, probably my mom. <laughs> but. Um, I'm honored today to have the one and only Liz Wilcox, who I was just telling a moment ago. I admire how she's always in character. Uh, and as marketers, we always say you need branding and positioning, and you need to uh, obsess with it in every little level. And I just may not know anyone that does that as consistently as you do it. <laughs>
1: Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, this is uh, I'm now on my third business and I just realized the more I leaned into, you know, like Morgan just said about, you know, having the brand and being the brand, the more people started to recognize me and share my thing. And Morgan and I were talking before we hit record about just having fun. If you're going to own your own business, if you're going to, you know, get your own clients and be your own boss, why not go for it? Why not just have fun? You only live one life and who knows when you're going to go. So just go for it.
0: Yeah, I love it. It's better branding, better positioning, and it makes it more fun. And I think the only reason most people don't do what you're doing is fear. So I'm I'm honored that you've looked fear in the eye and you just do it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And
0: speaking of looking fear in the eye, this is a great segue to today's Theme, a client harm sort horror story. Surprisingly enough, so let's jump right in. What happened to you?
1: Yeah, so this is this is such a fun story, and the biggest takeaway I want people to know is, you know, if you know in your gut something feels funky. Um, you know, just like looking fear in the face and, you know, going for it anyway, like your gut will tell you whether or not that fear is real, right? You know, there's fear of, oh, I'm afraid to be on camera. I'm afraid to go on a podcast and talk about this horror story, you know, but you know, it's, it's just, you know, this limiting belief. but there are some times in your gut, you're like, oh, I shouldn't do this. I'm really, you know, I really shouldn't do that. And that, that, that's where I want to start off. Uh, I always, I felt in my gut, something was off the whole time. And by the end, you know, picture like the cartoonish guy on your shoulder, like I told you not to do that. You know, money isn't everything. Um, so
0: but, but, but I, that's go ahead. an interesting point. I'll add to that. Like looking with mm-hmm. fear in the gut, a lot of people are scared to follow their instincts, especially when the dollar numbers have a lot of zeros after it. So this is a good lesson in theory. And I think one of the power of these specific stories is to remind people how how powerful your gut can be and knowing what's right and wrong. And what I'll also add is often, I think the reason why your gut feels something is because of really, really subtle signals. So as you tell the story we're about to embark on, I'm gonna always be looking for the little clues that that gave, that gave you that good feeling.
1: Yeah, so let's start off with those dollars. So I had a, a mutual friend, um, someone I I uh, used to know when I used to travel the country full time, and he he emailed me or messaged me on Facebook, Hey, Liz, I know. You love email. I've been working with this client for, I don't know, I think you've been working with them for almost 10 years. Uh, we run Facebook ads for them, but I tell them, you know, there's no point in running ads, collecting their email address if they're not emailing them consistently. If they don't have an actual strategy behind it, uh, you know, a funnel, a welcome nurture sequence. And I know that's where your expertise is. Would you be willing to, you know, hop on this project with me, create this new project. I said, oh my gosh, I love this idea. Um, you know, what do they need? And he said, oh, well, they need a two-year nurture sequence and some other things. And of course, you know, every time you go into a client project, you have to think, okay, what do, what do I need in order to create two years worth of, you know, X, right? That's a huge project. And so I thought, you know, obviously I need to do customer research. We need to clean the list, you know, all these other uh, email mumbo jumbo I won't get into. But, you know, there Mm -hmm. was a lot of technical things that needed to happen first um, from a copywriter perspective um, that would allow me to actually write something that was going to work for them. And so I put it in the proposal. Um, I think my initial proposal was something like twenty five thousand dollars. And for context, if one email worked out of the whole dang shebang a bang and they got a hundred people through it and one person bought, um, they they would still make that money, right? So I'm like, this is, okay. re- I'm really low-balling it. But, be- and I was doing that because it was an industry I don't know much about. I would have to do a lot of, uh, like I said, customer research. But this might be somewhere, someplace I want to get going with, you know, I might be really good at. And so I'm just going to hopefully take on this project, you know, knock it out of the park and get those bigger um, contracts and hopefully, you know, maybe even one day get a six-figure contract. So He comes back, oh my gosh, that's way. This client is so, you know, for lack of a better term, cheap. They're never going to pay that. And I'll, full disclosure, I won't, you know, I won't say the name, but basically they were in the funeral business and the death business is a good business to be in. Everybody dies and everybody's (laughs) got to figure it out. Right. And so they were trying to um, get out of, you know, people that purchased their services after the fact, right, they were in grieving mode, and they needed to figure something out, and they were going more towards, you know, people like me and Morgan, still alive, trying to pre-plan, right, and so they wanted a two-year sequence for that, right, it makes sense, hey, everybody needs a funnel, right, everybody needs
0: a funnel, go ahead, I I appreciate how you're like, People like me and Morgan are still alive. <laughs> like what unites us and what makes us common is we both have a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, <laughs> people still breathing um, and still able to, you know, pre-plan their own funeral. So I think $25,000, that's really low-balling. two years of emails is going to take a lot of customer research. How do you keep someone interested for two years And then you know their content, right? We're talking about death; it's sensitive, but these people are still pre-planning. So you know you can put a little flavor in there, right? Um, But anyway, he comes back. Oh my gosh, Liz! uh, You know they're not going to spend this much on email. You know how can we cut this project to just get the what we absolutely have to have, and then hopefully you know, they'll hire you for the rest, you know, if, so, if and when it goes well.
0: So, th- so that's interesting. At this point, had you met the client himself or was it only your intermediary friend?
1: Only my buddy, only my buddy. Because,
0: um, because I, I found as a risk factor is having these other people in the middle um, because it's often turns, it's like, you, know, you remember the children's game of telephone. Yeah. And like just having someone in the middle, like, how well can he read the other person's budget? And, uh, it's, it, it makes him fundamentally riskier.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with Morgan. Oh my gosh. Like I, in hindsight, I wish I wouldn't have taken on the project. The money wasn't worth it to our point earlier, because I feel like I don't have that friendship anymore. Spoil Like that's getting into and not in a, you know, nothing nasty happened, but uh, you know, because the client, you know, now I'm really spoiling the story, but it just didn't work out well. Right. And then I feel like it was awkward between me and my buddy. And now, you know, he's, Right. He's never asked me for, for any, you know, for any other project, so, right. so, and so we're not so we're not really someone, so talking or catching up So This is interesting.
0: Having someone in the middle, who if you're friends with them, it creates a relationship risk. But even even with that, I feel like it just fundamentally makes any client project much harder. Because if you can if you can speak to the client directly, you you can make your case better. You can explain. You can understand him better. Rather than everything having to, you tell John who tells Jane who tells Jake who tells the client, and then the client responds, who tells Jake who tells Jane who tells John who tells you. And there's just going to be so much time and energy and, um, and money lost. So I think in retrospect, just not knowing anything about the story where it's going, it feels like something that, that might have been good to have done, it would be at that first point saying, hey, can I just speak directly to the client to figure it out?
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks for that advice. I'm writing that advice down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Morgan just now. now it, you just um, need now. You
0: just need a time machine to go back.
1: Right. One hundred percent. So by the time we <laughs> sign the contract, uh, you know, two years turns into one year, turns into a little customer research um if you know anything about email you know scrubbing the list getting all those people that have been on the list but aren't engaged off the list and you know some really bare bones stuff so i get on the phone finally they sign the contract you know i send over a project calendar we get on our very first call and these these clients they don't know anything about email they just trust my friends so much Um, you know, that, and he's been hammering them for so many years about, hey, you know, you're wasting all this money on Facebook ads, but nobody's going to buy, you know, from one email, right? And, um, you know, it, it was supposed to be a 40 minute, uh, 40 minute call, it turns into, you know, I think almost two hours, because they just have so many questions about the process, you know, because I hammered out all these details with, my friend right and so i'm just i'm basically going over the you know the last 30 days i've been talking to my friend about what's in the project why you know the, basically convincing them yet again even though they've already paid me they've already you know signed the contract what the heck is going on and why
0: I, so, this is a, I'll, go ahead. I'll also add that this is another risk factor that's good to look out for which is even once people have signed and paid when they're still questioning the value, like, like you, you know, they're not fully bought in. So, uh, so, so that, that's another yellow flag that younger versions of ourselves can learn from.
1: Yeah, I was, I got off the call and, you know, honestly, I, I was tired, you know, I was, It felt like, you know, when, if you've ever had, if you have like a master's degree or a PhD, or you can imagine, you know, when you have to, uh, what do they say? You have to like present your thesis and everyone's asking you questions and, you know, you have to back it up. I was basically, you know, presenting my framework and, you know, all that. And so it was really exhausting and I was very confused. I was like, wow, these people... Uh, they must really trust my friend because they just signed this, you know, from what my friend told me big contract and, you know, here we go. So I start working on the first, uh, you know, the first deliverable and I, I turn it in. It's very pe- They're still very confused, I have one point of contact. She says she's got to send it over to the other point of contact, the other. So, you know, already we're behind on the timeline because I give them, you know, maybe 36 hours to turn around and say, you know, yay or nay, what do you like, what do you don't like, right? And um, finally I get it back. I'm already a week behind. I'm supposed to be getting on the phone with some of their customers. That was another backlash. Oh, well, these people are grieving. You know, it's the funeral business. <laughs> and I um, I said, well, we have to do some sort of research. We, I can't write for you if I don't know who your people are. Like, sure, you can tell me all day, but if I just, even, and this is to toot, toot my own horn, even if I just get on the phone with one person I know it's going to be, you know, 10, 20 times better than if I'm just reading through, you know, Absolutely. emails you have or anything like that. That's just copywriting 101, right?
0: Totally. And
1: so um, finally, I, I, I get the approval on the email that I've written to ask people to get on the phone with me, <laughs> you know, and that took three weeks so that that red flag no yellow flag that's the red flag took three weeks I mean this is a 300 word email and they're picking oh no you can't say this oh no you can't say that and I'm pushing back um because they you know of course like this is a sensitive subject and I don't want to take you know say that it's not but what you have to know about email is if you write something like you know dear Mrs. Wilcox that I call it the internet gods. The internet gods are immediately going to put you in spam because no one talk, no one actually talks like that in email, right? And so I'm, I was trying to explain to them, you know, literally the very first word in the email, like you can't put the word "dear" if you want this to go into the inbox. This is what you've hired me for. I, I literally, this is my full time job to study. What goes into spam and what goes into the inbox? If you put dear Mrs. Wilcox, they're not going to see it. I'm not going to be able to get on the phone with them. Um, So finally, you know, we have something formal, semi-formal. I get to, I finally go into their email service provider. And if you've ever sent a mass email, that's just where people collect emails, where you can send out mass emails, things like that. And it's a nightmare. It's like trying to play connect the dots and somebody forgot to number the dots. It's this and, you know, and there's no support. And they told me, oh, well, this system, it's not very user friendly. But, you know, I I, me thinking I'm, you know, I know everything. I'm like, I'll be able to. I'm a pro. I'm a pro. I could not figure this thing out for the life of me. I accidentally sent it to people that shouldn't have been sent. Uh, This lady, I don't know where she got my phone number. She calls me and I have more than one client. You know, they didn't pay me $25,000. I'm going to take another client, right? She calls me up. Oh my gosh, that went to everybody, blah, blah, blah. And it was just a re-engagement email asking someone to hit reply. It was literally, you know, this is a funeral business. So uh, tell me what you think about this. It was just asking, in your life, what do you want to be remembered by? Hit reply. This lady is freaking out that it got sent to the entire list on accident. I said, well, you might just get a lot of replies. I think that's the only bad thing that's going to happen from this email is you get more replies than you think, which is going to be good. I'm going to be able to use those. Um, You know, I don't think anyone's going to think that's insensitive to ask. So about a week later, she calls me up. Oh my gosh, that was the best email ever. We got we got so many replies. We got so many leads, you know, whatever, whatever. And it was supposed to only be sent out to the people that weren't opening. Um, so, you know, I thought the tide was turning. I thought they had seen, you know, they saw the Liz Wilcox As, light.
0: On, on a minor note, when she called you back, did she apologize for being wrong? because I find people's willingness to apologize is a good marker for how healthy the the engagement will be.
1: She was nice. Um, I don't think she apologized directly, but I think she said something like, you really do know what you're talking about or something (laughs) like that. So I think she was starting to see, you know, that, you know, Some people, it's so hard to outsource. It's so hard to let go. And this was a company that's been growing, I think, for 20, 30 years even. Um, But it was still a very small team, you know, maybe five employees. Right. So they're really in it. And so from that, that was what I was trying to come from. Like, okay, they don't know what they don't know. It, this is such a massive learning curve. And so I was trying to be, you know, understanding of that. Um, and almost at the end of the project. So let's just fast forward <laughs> towards the end of the project. I'm almost done writing this one year sequence. You know, I've got some customer research. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got what they really kind of the essence of what they want to, you know, put forward. They hire a brand new marketing manager. This is wonderful news. This person is my age, you know, in their thirties. They're so very corporate, but you know, they understand what modern marketing looks like, who they're trying to talk to. Uh, you know, they meet me, everything I'm telling them, they're like, oh yeah, totally, 100%, 100%. Um, so this is great news for me. I write the sequence, I hand it over to her. And it was kind of the same. And I think because she had just started the job, she wanted to do a good job and she was kind of trying to mirror their behavior because you know the project's supposed to be done in two weeks. They, they say, oh, we need at least three weeks to look these emails over. Why did this take so long, et cetera. And she's, again, she's caught, call- can you hop on a call right now? Can you hop on a call right now? And at that point I had created no boundaries. So the answer was yes. <laughs> and it was just, you know, dissecting every word. It was, oh, I get what you're saying, but so-and-so, you know, is adamant we use dear. You know, I'm gonna say they were so adamant about using, you know, dear Mr. Dear Mrs. It was so strange. Um, you know, cause I think you can be formal without, you know, dressing it like an actual letter, right? And, um, you know, it ended up being just this, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And the last time I actually spoke to this client, I spoke to the marketing manager. I told them I was going on vacation. The project was supposed to be wrapped up at that point. But I said, you know, I've got, I'll give you two more weeks, you know, so we can really get this thing under wraps. I understand things take time, right? And it had taken a couple of weeks at the beginning of the project to kind of get going. So I said, okay, that's fine. Uh, The last time I spoke to her, I was on vacation. I was literally out for a run in the middle of the woods and I get a text. Hey, I really need to talk to you. So I call her and I'm literally jogging through the woods. She's like, wow, you sound out of breath. I said, yeah, I'm Remember, I told you I'm on vacation. I'm I'm just out for a morning jog. (laughs) And um, she was like, oh, sorry, won't keep you. And she sounded totally happy and, you know, excited about what was going on. And then I literally never heard from them again. I reached out, hey, if you have any questions. Because for me, as much as the, you know, oh, this. In that excited
0: call, what did she want me to tell you that was so urgently? It was just something minor?
1: I think it was, oh, it was, you know, I told you about the, their software was, you know, like connecting dots without the numbers. Um, they had just upgraded that software, but it still couldn't do the capacity. Was, so she was asking me like a technical question.
0: Just a technical question. I see. So it wasn't a call about the relationship. It was just normal, normal business call. And then she yeah, goes that.
1: Yeah. And I think, um. I think they were, because part of the project was that I would put everything into the software for them. Yes. And so that was what really kept me up at night because everything that I had created, the software was not actually capable of doing. And I had spent two months trying to get them from this one software off and saying, let's just start from scratch over here. You'll be able to build up your, I call it like an email credit score, you know, deliverability uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And they just, no, we've, you know, it's like when you're in a bad relationship, no, I've spent five years with them. I can't break up with them. I just got to figure out how it's going to work, right? Okay. <laughs> That's, that was their relationship with the software. So they ended up just upgrading to this other, you know, extension of the software. It still couldn't do everything um, that we wanted it. And so I was trying to explain that on the call
0: Okay, I so said, so yeah, John, yeah. call it was just about the technicals on the software, but then after that, she just ghosted you.
1: Yeah, so I had a I had a call or an email or something I can't remember with my buddy, and I said, "Hey, this is what I think is still missing, you know, from the actual setup of it. I've you know I've done everything. I've sent over videos explaining it. I talked to." Uh, you know, the marketing manager, it just isn't, you know, there's just not connecting. There's this one piece that just doesn't connect. Um, But if they want to do what this project was sent to do, we've got to figure it out. He says, okay. And then uh, just never heard from them again. And for me, it was such, it had been such a nightmare. I just dropped it because I, You know, there was nothing I could say or do, I felt, to make them move off that software. And I felt like at that point, they thought, okay, Liz said she was going to do one thing. She didn't do it. Now we're ticked off. Um, We don't like these emails. Everything I had written, (laughs) they always came back and said, this is wrong. Why is this here? This is trivial. There needs to be more of X. And that was another thing I didn't even mention. There was always I said five employees, all five of them were in every single document that I sent over. Everyone had an opinion. Some of them were differing. And at the end of the day, I just had to keep saying, if this is your objective, then this is what needs to be included. You do know. Do they
0: technical question? Do they ever pay the final invoice or
1: yes? They paid. Okay. I'm so this is, you know cautionary tale if I didn't have my business set up the way that it did I probably wouldn't have been paid I always get paid up front so before I even started uh, the project before I even got on the call with them I was paid two thousand dollars and then I think it you know it was like whatever that adds up to it was like you know another two or three thousand dollars each month or whatever yeah. and I always get paid first and then that 30 days starts you know if that makes sense um, so for me, I always get paid up front. I have a stomach. I I have a child who has a stomach. Like we need to get paid. Um, so I always do that first.
0: That understood. That uh, that's actually a good lesson for uh, for for every, for everyone listening. Um, okay, so this is an interesting story. I want to step back and say no. Now that we know the ending and the arc and um, and what happened. It feels like one of the lessons from here is that is there's this type of client that you can just never make happy and that clients are always better to not even start. So the interesting question is what are the signs that reveal, okay, we can never satisfy them. So it's, it's better to, to, not, to not even go into that pool.
1: Yeah, for me, number one, they were just so confused right off the bat. You know, it felt like my buddy had convinced them of doing this, but they still weren't ready. You know, it's like when your mom is at the edge of the pool, come on, jump in, jump in and you jump in because she's cheering you on and she says you'll be able to do it. And suddenly you have water in your mouth and you're choking, (laughs) you know, and you're like, why did I listen to that lady? She's crazy. Right. And then for me, um, if you're watching a snippet of this video, you'll see very much my branding we were talking about. But if you even just Google Liz Wilcox, you'll see who I am as a marketer, as, you know, just a personality and being, you know, talking to people in the funeral business who normally talk to people who are grieving, Um. There was just a disconnect from the beginning. It was like, whoa, this lady is too young, too fresh, too out of touch for our industry. And, you know, they were so, despite wanting to talk to people that are in the pre-planning stage, they were still stuck on our people think this is so sensitive that you can't have any personality, I guess, you know. Um that there was just such a huge disconnect from the beginning. So if you, on a, I don't know, fundamental level, are so different from your client, that's also a red flag that you probably won't so, ever make them happy.
0: That That's a good one. What what I would say is I would take the point, you made and not actually separate it into two different points because I think it's just will be helpful for our listeners to think about um, the two separately, which is firstly there's this, like stylistically you like you 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 need to get along hey if you you know you want to you know you want someone to ghostwrite a book and you hire someone who's an amazing writer but he's a hip hop artist writer and writes in that style but your book is some like academic historical something even no matter how amazing he is in that style if it's not this, if it's not the style that resonates with you and what you're looking for, then no matter how amazing a person is, then um, then it's less likely to work out. So, so that style is super important. But there's a separate point, completely separate from the style. There's the issue of work style where, uh, where it seems like you're the, let's just do it. I'm gonna get my hands dirty, I'm gonna make it happen. While with them, it seems like committee, five people, let's talk about it. Let's go back and forth. Let's never make a decision. And those two styles are so different. It's really hard for one to work with, for for a team of one style to work with a team of the other style.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know what my buddy was thinking. <laughs> other than, I mean, I guess you know he must have really believed in me which thanks friend um and i still and i will say happy ending i don't know what happened why they never reached out to me um you know to wrap up because i mean i did reach out and i said if you need anything else please let me know i want to make this project work i w- i always want despite any you know creative differences i always want people to walk away Feeling good about Liz, right? Um, but I do, I am on their email list. Obviously, I'm getting their emails and their emails, they're not exactly the way that I wrote them, but they're very much in the style that I wrote. Some of the subjects are different, um, but they are trying them out. So <laughs> I hope it's working for them. I should, I'm not, I should reach out and see how it's working because I know they are using my emails they are you know they paid i'm sure at the end of the day they thought well we paid money this is what we got let's just try it because we're not using we're not doing anything um but i want to i love what you just said about the styles and um you know like the work
0: style and the personality style
1: yeah the personality style so Morgan and I have a love, a mutual love of Will Smith. And in November of 2021, Will Smith launched his memoir, his autobiography. Um, It's called Will. And
0: on on what date was it? it November.
1: uh, November.
0: I I, I I think November 4th. November 9th at 11 a.m.
1: Yeah. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. So I don't know when people are listening to this, right? I could have said a few months ago, but you know, this could be, you know, it could be 2025 by now. I don't know. So
0: I was, I was joking. I was just expecting you to like be waiting online all night long the night before. Oh, I was.
1: Oh, I was. (laughs) I bought tickets. So I bought tickets to go see him. He did a four or five city tour, one stop only in each city. And I bought, I bought tickets. I didn't get front row, but I got second row center stage tickets. I won't tell you how much they cost. Um, but <laughs> I bought two of them so I could <laughs> sit by myself. And I all the
0: moved. money you made from the funeral home just went right out. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So um, anyway, he, he launched this book. And his but his co-author, you know, of course, he's not an author. I mean, did what? he really write the book? I'm sure he wrote a lot of it. It does very much sound like Will Smith, like when in his interviews and stuff. But his co-author is Mark Manson. If you don't know who that is, I know he, Mark Manson. Yeah, That's
0: hysterical. He,
1: yeah. So he wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving A F U C K. Yeah. I know yeah. Morgan said his mom was listening, so I won't say it. Hi. Hi, and mom. Hi, mom. And uh, Will Smith is very much like he's never said a curse in his any of his raps. You know, it's very off brand and like very edgy when he says curse words. Right. right? And I mean, he might say, damn. right? Um, Right. And in the book, as I was reading the book, the only time I felt like, oh, Will didn't write this part is when the F word, happened. I was like, this just seems, there seems to be a disconnect. And I'm sure in his real life, he probably does cuss, right? Like he's, I think he's almost 50 years old. You know, I'm sure he says the F word every now and again. Right. And, but it felt so off brand. And even when I went to see him, he comes out on stage and I saw him actually with Mark Manson. Uh, That was who, that was his special guest that night. So they talked about creating the book. And he comes out and he says, oh, this is, you know, this is my co-author, Mark. He's like, I can't even say the name of his book. Right. But then later he did end up, he said, you know, the F word a couple times, not very much. And I was like, okay, you know, this is him in real life, but it felt so off brand, you know, especially someone like me, who's grown up with him. You know, yeah. I remember like, you know being a little girl and my mom listening to, you know, home-based cassette, you know, in, in the Ford Mustang. Right. And so, so that's so true in so many ways. And when you lean into your brand or, you know, even your type of whatever kind of client work you like to do, if there's that disconnect, it's very obvious.
0: By the way, on, on the subject of my mom listening, I, was actually introduced to Will Smith by my mom because way back in that era, before he got into music, he was in this movie that my mom loved, Six Years of Separation. And,
1: oh, um, yeah, I love that movie.
0: Yeah, and he was like super, super young. He played at college. It was like one of his first things. And my, my mom's in the theater. is written by John Gare, more like one of the classic theater playwrights. So uh, it's like my my first memories of, um, of Will Smith are actually... From, I, it, for some reason, I always remember, like, the chaos order of the two sides of the Kandinsky, and um, maybe the reason why I, that movie actually sticks with me is because it's all about some unsophisticated guy who can talk as though he's really sophisticated, and sometimes I feel like that's my whole life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so, I'm so glad you brought up that movie, because he talks about that movie. That was his first movie. So that
0: was his first um, movie? I, I didn't realize that, that was, Yeah, and
1: he had actually done three albums before that and was in the Fresh Prince. So this is so perfect for what we were talking about, like your brand and your style and what you want to be known for, because he so he he tells one of I forget the guy's name, but it's basically been his manager since he was like 18 years old and he says oh I'm, i want to be a movie star i want to be a movie star find me a movie role right and so he's doing fresh prints and the guy comes over to his house he says we got we got you know we got an offer he says what is it what is it he says well it's it's for 10 million dollars and it's called you know five five heads in a duffel bag or something it's some gangster movie right And it's like, you know, super violent. Will, you know, I think Will Smith at this time was like 20, 21. He became famous very early in life. Like he got his first Grammy like the same year he graduated high school. So he's very young. He's like 21 or something. And he says, Yeah, $10 million. Let's take it. And he says, That's not who you are. You don't, if you want to be the biggest movie star in the world, if you do a movie like this, people are just going to associate you as some thug which is what you're trying to get away from. And you've never been a thug in your life. Like you, like you went to a private school, (laughs) you you know? And um, so he says, let's just wait. There's going to be another offer. You know, Fresh Prince is doing well. And so he he declined the movie, declined $10 million you know, and what we Morgan and I were talking about earlier, like sometimes there are bigger things than money, right? You've got to stay true to who you are and the people you want to work with and how you want to be seen. Right. And so then he gets offered six degrees of separation. And he said in the book, he says, I got paid $300,000 for that movie, but it, it was because I forget the actors but they're very they're very famous actors that played the couple in the film he said but yeah. suddenly he was being associated with those giant names and that was what really set his career off to and, like, get and associated some better with, gigs.
0: Like, with like the sophisticated set and that that movie tar- like targets the uh, intellectuals or one of the intellectuals so is so it just was associated with that which is the exact opposite of branding of the thugs
1: yes 100 percent. so you know his manager was right like if you take that movie you're not going to be the biggest movie star you're gonna you know you're just going to be labeled as some thug you know stereotyped that way you know you're never going to get to that level you want to get to and so i i love that for our conversation because you really have to think you know, and sometimes you just need to eat and you have to take work and there's nothing wrong with that. But as you really lean into the type of work you want to do, the type of clients you want to take, it's really important to know those values for yourself, um, and align yourself with those right people.
0: I agree with this. This is a fun and very appropriate way to, uh, to end today's fun podcast. And it's, um, And what's interesting is this big positioning, okay, I want to be known in this way for these type of people, manifests itself in the tiny little decisions. Do I take on the funeral client? Do I take on the client where they just ignore what I say and rewrite it and they don't respond? Like, do I want to be known as the guy that accepts that, that works in that way? Like, or or not? So, so I liked our crystallization of the two. You need them. There's the personality style fit, but there's also the work style fit, and and I think it's important for every professional to say to have their own style and make sure the clients um, understand that personality style and also have have your own work style, and and like if you're a committee guy or girl, have fun, go all the way with it. Just work with other people who have the committee mentality mentality as well. And, uh, and, and Will, Will Smith embodies all this well. Who knew? I never kind of knew any of that backstory you shared.
1: Well, I'm glad you learned something new. <laughs> I love Will Smith. I'm, I'm full of trivia. If you guys have any more questions, just hit me up on social. I'm more than happy to give you Will Smith's story <laughs> and my own if you're interested.
0: Everything I need to know, I learned from Will Smith. <laughs>
1: Pretty much that—that that really is my—I—I I have been following him pretty much my whole life, and I get a lot of inspiration from him.
0: I think I think that I think that is uh, that is great. And um, when most of the questions do come, I know who to ask. Everyone, thank you for listening and or watching. And uh, Liz, to be continued.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Woo!